Welcome to Simon Says Inspire, a podcast about life, leadership, and building legacies. I'm John Simon Sr. And I'm Dina Simon. Our guest today is Kelly Shutrop. Kelly is the CEO and founder of Thoughtful Resound, a thought leadership activation firm that unlocks new revenue streams for growing business-to-business companies through leadership, social selling, personal branding, and beyond. Kelly, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me, Dina and John. Excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Why don't you take a few minutes and tell our audience a little bit about yourself and where you live and maybe a little bit about what you like to do in your spare time. Sure. So by way of background, I am in Minnesota. I uh, was actually born in Bozeman, Montana, for fun people who oh live gosh. in Montana. Yeah, I know. Most people don't know that. I moved I here when I was that. really young. My my dad has a lot of family here. So uh, they moved back here. So I, I was raised here, actually just an hour west of the city in a town called Hutchinson. Now I'm in Southwest Metro, Chanhassen area. And this community, this network here in the in the Twin Cities is so vibrant and lovely. And so spent my career building you know, just relationships here. And in a nutshell, my background is about 15 years in marketing and sales, all for scaling B2B companies. So oftentimes leading marketing from the ground up, leading sales structures from the ground up, uh, just having a lot of fun in that realm. And now uh, I have my own company really in this world of thought leadership activation, right? Sales and marketing consulting. And on the personal side of things, I am married uh, my husband is an entrepreneur, has multiple companies, and so we talk a lot of business, and it's a lot of fun. And I've got a little guy who's three and a half years old and a dog named Wolfgang, who is, as you can imagine, large. <laughs> very, very yes. large. With the name Wolfgang, yes. I can't believe your son's already three and a half. Oh. I know, I know. Yeah, we're, we're starting to see the hockey bug in him, which isn't something that my husband or I had growing up so much. So we're very excited just to explore wow. and see what his interests are as he grows up. Yeah. And how are you seeing the hockey bug? Like he likes to watch it? Oh, good question. You know, so given in Minnesota, when it hits a little bit cooler, it's not as easy to just say, well, let's just walk a few blocks to the park. Uh, I mean, it it is and it isn't. Right. And so we've got a lot of fun activities downstairs in our lower level. And one of them is just a little, you know, play tight hockey net. And he's obsessed. He's obsessed with it. And so <laughs> starting to show it. little YouTube yeah, videos. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. So we may... We may get him involved in some things here and there. Um, and then uh, other things I like to do for fun, I'm a big foodie. So if I'm ever in a city or traveling, foodie's the the jam. And I also do really love travel and adventure. So we've spent time in a variety of countries and a lot of places here in the U.S. as well. And I also read that you have a love for ice cream. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. And if there's people here in the Minneapolis area, my favorite place is Milk Jam Creamery. It's amazing. Fun flavors, good textures, crazy names. They change up. Actually, they do themes every month. And I recall just a few months back, uh, it was something related to women in leadership or something like nice. that. And they highlighted a few local women. Uh, and I recognized some of the names. It was very cool. They must have gotten to collaborate with them and develop oh a flavor. Uh, so Sarah Edwards, for example, yeah, um, really big in the the fashion scene here in Minneapolis. She was one of them that I recognized. Nice. It was just very cool. So they do a nice job tying back to the community, too. That is awesome. Well, I think they should do one for you. <laughs> I would love that. That would be fun. <laughs> and, and that's one of the great things about local businesses that you can do 
that national companies probably wouldn't even begin to think about doing. But when, when you talk about entrepreneurial, the people who own it, apparently they own a foodie or a restaurant or something. And <laughs> so they can combine all of that and, uh, and, and do special things for, for special people in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love seeing that. I love seeing how companies, even if they are national, how they can make a really personal touch with their customers, prospective yeah. clients, their community. Yeah. It's just, it's a smart way to not only drive business, it's logical, but it also just makes people feel that much more uh, connected to the brand and a part of it. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Tell us a little bit about, uh, apparently you have some regular fireside chats that you host with industry leaders. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Yeah. So when it comes to fireside chats, I'll actually give you a little bit of the backstory of how I got into that process because I hope that it sparks some ideas for for people listening. Uh, so if you rewind back three and a half years uh, to the start of the pandemic, uh, my little guy was being born the day that everything shut down in Minneapolis, which was a really great time for my family, actually, just to incubate and kind of shut out the rest of the world and learn what it was like to have a newborn uh, and I was in a consultative selling role and, you know, my clients didn't know what was going on. They were all in the staffing industry serving a variety of markets and industries themselves. And so it was a really nice time to step away. But when I came back in to conversations three months later after my maternity leave, uh, naturally, I'd already been working with people across the country. And I should share, I was at a company called Parka, which is a sister company of Verseek, which Dina is a, you know, longtime alumna. Yes. Going going back in the day, Verseek is an executive search and consulting firm. And so I led marketing there for a number of years. Great group of people. And then the Verseek family of brands launched a digital marketing agency that specialized in the staffing industry called Parka. And I stepped into a sales role. And so my function was to develop relationships with staffing firms, really mostly across the country, not as much in the local footprint because Verseek plays in so many different areas and they do a great job. And so... As I stepped back in from my maternity leave being over, we were in and out of the office, mostly out of the office. And I just had this uh, desire to build community in a different way because I wasn't getting that in a day-to-day capacity in the Minneapolis market because we're all in our houses. And so I was having a conversation with a longtime client, uh, a staffing firm owner who just thought about business a bit differently and uh, loved talking to him. And I asked him, I said, John, this just feels to me like a type of conversation that if we were sitting at a high top at a restaurant and, you know, at, at the end of a conference or something and people were right. to walk by, they would want to hear this because right. they would learn from it. Would you ever be open to me recording it and sharing it? You know, we won't even gate it. We won't put it behind a form. There's no subscription necessary. Uh, but just to share with people some of the thoughts that you have. And he said, absolutely, let's do it. And so it kicked off a series. Uh, and I called them fireside chats because I wanted them to be uh, informal and informational and I wanted to learn from them, but I also wanted the audience that would listen to them to learn from them. And so I hosted them once a month and chose a different individual uh, in that space who was doing something innovative that I could help really elevate their voice and bring it to a different audience. Uh, and then over time, this is the piece that you know I like sharing with people just to give them ideas for their audience because you've got insights that you can share with your audience and or you have the ability likely to facilitate conversations right. where you can elevate other voices that are going to benefit your your perspective and current clients. And so over time, I started having more and more people reach out to me to host webinars or speak on podcasts. I started pitching to conferences 
and I had less time to host fireside chats, which prompted the innovation of, if I can only do this once a quarter, how do I really make it worth the audience's while? And I turned them into panels. So if you think about you know a typical conference where you've got a moderator and three or four people on a panel, that's what I did. And so brought together groups of people to talk about a common theme. And it was a lot of fun. You know, it, well, it actually created a lot of uh, positive ripple. A, you know, Thoughtful Resound is the name of my business. And really, that's the purpose and the meaning behind it is if you strategically create content or value for your audience, it will ripple back to elevate them, but also create opportunity for your business. And so Thoughtful Resound, I found that very natively a number of years ago that it created a resound in the industry and people were learning and getting excited about topics and the panelists were having their brands elevated. And so uh, I digress. It was it was very fun. And so now I look to do those in whatever space I'm in. Looks different, right? If I'm focusing on a different market or wanting to elevate a different people group or subset of the industry. Yeah, I love that one. Well, I hope you do continue them because I know they were super successful and there was so many good ideas that were born out of the pandemic. And I actually didn't know. I go back to the timeline. I can't believe that your son was born right then. I forgot about that. And that, I yeah, know. just the magic of timing. That's crazy. So um, so thank you for sharing that. And then, John, so yes, Kelly and I met back in the day. So Kelly, it was, I mean, it was 12 years ago, 13 it years was. ago. Yeah, I started at uh, the family of companies back when it was McKinley Group for those yes. in the local area. Yep which was established in 2001. I joined the company in 2012, and then it went through a rebrand and company split to a yep. few different brands uh, in 2013. But you were with them even prior to yeah. 2012. Yeah, yes, I was. And then, um, yeah, so the, we've known each other that long. And then um, John, both Versique and Parka, huge supporters of Simon Says Give. Kelly has always been a huge supporter. When we had our fashion show, she was a model. So we- It was very we, fun. Yep. Um, and she did meetings with our kid advisory board on social media back in the day. Oh, wow, so that you, feels like so long ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. So you've been you've been around through the through all of that. So thank you for that. You've always leaned in with with helping out, and so appreciate that. And you do have just an amazing brand and reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. And as you said, we do have a very vibrant community. If if we're tapped in and and we do mm-hmm. elevate others as they elevate mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Well, and even I, I think about Simon Says Give the Backpack Drive. You know, those have been so fun over the years to see how how things have just expanded and evolved. I Am I remembering this correctly, that there was a world record there was. breaking at Mall of America a few there years ago? There was. 2018, okay. we did a Guinness World Record for stuffing the most backpacks in an eight-hour period of time. It was crazy. So fun. I love that. I know. I had an opportunity on one of my trips up to the Twin Cities. Uh, Mandy was working over at Versique in her internship, I think, uh, oh, one yes. summer. And she had to take me there because she wanted to show me everything. And the one <laughs> thing I can remember about it, they had the greatest break room that I'd ever been to <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> they did a very nice job. Yeah, the company had been in one space for years and years and years and then switched buildings to be a bit more central. And they were in an office that felt very classic office space 90s and so the founders said we've got to get into a space that looks really cool and you know as a whole team of recruiters and sales folks and people that were really connected and there was a lot of coffees happening outside the office because there was only so many conference rooms but there's a lot of confidential conversations and so yeah when they they stepped down a floor or a couple of floors yep. and gutted half the floor and just created this really beautiful 
cafe environment where people could essentially have yeah. the non-confidential coffees, so to speak, right, right there. It was very fun. Kombucha on tap, drinks on tap. Like they did a nice job. Exactly. Yeah. And John or, Kelly- or a, 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 an occasional beer there. Yes. And, yes. Uh, what? Occasional beer wine. On tap. I mean, it, it, it was it was pretty casual. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. John Ka- Kelly was there when Mandy was doing her internship uh-huh. and. And I know Mandy loved seeing you there. So just a oh. friendly face and, and all of that. Fun. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think how old she would have been in 2012. I mean, I feel like I've seen her grow up. You have. So she, in 2012, she was 10. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah she nine, wasn't, nine, she nine, wasn't ten. Like, like a kindergartner little, but I remember she was little. Yeah. Like she yeah. was a little kid. Yeah. Well, actually, so she would have been, yeah, she would have been nine going on 10 okay. because she was born in 2003. So. Wow. And now she's college. Now she's 20. uh, Junior. 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 Yeah. We still still have a little time. Okay. Yes. So you talked a little bit about your business. And so Mm -hmm. share with us because you just recently hung your own shingle, went out on your own. (laughs) And so just tell us a little bit more about the clients. Like what's your ideal client that you want to work with? Tell us just a little bit more about that. And then we can dive into some other topics. Sure. Sure. So the reason I created Thoughtful Resound was actually because I had a few different longtime connections, mentors of mine who were or are senior leaders within their businesses. And a couple different people came out of the woodwork and said, if you ever consider, and there's two scenarios, one, equipping salespeople to build a personal brand in a way that really helps drive business organically and authentically and relationally. Uh, my company would be interested in having a conversation. And then another individual came out of the woodwork and said, if you would ever be interested in helping us evaluate our marketing, we have someone in place leading marketing, but it's only part of their their function and their role. You know, like there's there's just a lot that we should probably be doing, but we don't really know how to think about it differently. And so it planted the seed in my mind of intrigue, right? Because my every role that I've had following maybe a year out of school, I started... I studied marketing and public relations at at Northwestern in St. Paul here in Minnesota and went to Olson, that agency out of school. And then as everybody does in staffing, I found my way in staffing and started building marketing for the ground up for a few different brands. And then again, switched into sales. But in every role I had, I worked directly with the founder and CEO who had this vision that was broad stroke, but very exciting. And they said, "I, I don't really know what to do to make it happen but go ahead. <laughs> you know, like tell us what resources you need and let's make it happen. And so I got to be very entrepreneurial all the way throughout my career. Yeah. And really loved championing brands that had great cultures and were building really great things. And oftentimes it was in the B2B service space, right? So businesses selling to businesses of services. Um, and oftentimes not in the budget option in the market. So those tend to be the clients that I work with now. So companies nice. that are established, doing great work, but are looking to take it to the next level. And so fast forward, I decided to step out on my own and start this company. And it is a fractional consulting model. So I bring on three, maybe four fractional consultants at a time that I work with on a half day plus basis every week. I have advisory clients as well and then offer workshops. So thought leadership workshops, key leader workshops, really with the intent of this passion I have of saying, okay, you've got deep expertise in your company, in your personal career history, that if we unlock that and kick it over the sales conversation beyond the sales conversation, you're going to attract more opportunity for your business. Because if you educate that audience, 
when they have a need for what you offer, they're already going to think about you as the trusted expert. And oftentimes companies do a really nice job in that kind of a space, right? You're service-based, you're highly consultative. You do an amazing job when you're in the sales conversation and it goes well. But the idea is to get ahead of those, even if it's not sales related, it's, it's adding value to your audience, providing them with insights. So that is what I do now. Nice. And so often the marketing side, like having that outside expertise come in to really take a look at things is is just so valuable because you do become so myopic. I shared with John my snafu in my newsletter that went out. <laughs> that made my day. <laughs> Have you shared it yet in a podcast episode or is that what you're doing right now? No, but I think I'll share it right now because it's so funny and such an That's educational great. thing. So yeah, so I'll share with our listeners. So my newsletter that I sent out for the 1st of November was really to be thinking on two things as you're planning for budgeting for next year. And Kelly, you and I both know this growing up in staffing. Companies spend so much time and money on the recruiting dollars and then Uh they forget about what to do from a retention perspective. And so we all have traditional benefits, but looking at what can be, you know, fun benefits out there that maybe don't cost a a ton. We just actually talked about Verseek. They have this beautiful space where they bring, you know, have coffee and food and beer, beer on tap, you know, like just what can people do within their environments that is a low cost entry for the corporation, but such a benefit to the employees. So... I shared in my newsletter that I had read, and I had read this, I had read in like a Harvard Business Journal, something about a company bought Netflix subscriptions for all their employees, because with the cost of streaming and cable and all that going up, it's, you know, that's like a huge value add to the employees plus their family. Uh And what a win-win. So I made a reference on the (laughs) Netflix and chill Thinking that that meant I, you know, binge watching your favorite show on Netflix. I send the newsletter out and within 10 minutes, <laughs> a client called and goes, hey, and, and um, you know, it's not a client that would call me out very often. So I'm like, hey, and she goes, um, has anybody talked to you about your newsletter yet? And I go, no, why? And she goes, do you know that reference? She goes, so she laughed and said, I know that you don't know what this reference means. However... It doesn't just mean binge watching your favorite show on Netflix. It actually means something else in the online dating world. And I just screamed. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I did ask her, I go, what do you think I should do? Because I knew I was not going to just let it sit out there. So we Mm kind of laughed about it. So I did immediately go and send another retraction out basically to say, oh, my, like I, you know, sorry about my ignorance. I did not know that this this term had another connotation to it. And then Kelly, you responded like saying, oh gosh, that made me laugh and way to go for handling it well. Mm-hmm. So that means a lot. That means a lot coming from you. <laughs> and I actually had so many people because in it, I said, but- for those of you that knew the other reference, I'm sure you got a good laugh. And mm-hmm. then those of you that didn't know it, I'm sure you've Googled it now and now you're chuckling because it was kind of 50-50. Half of the mm-hmm. audience was like, I had no clue meant and that and, <laughs> and they also use that term so that also goes back to with everything that you do with clients like to stay mainstream on these types of things like it's impossible right well and the reality is i think the reason why that went so well 
afterwards was because of how you handled it. And it just speaks to, you know, public relations and marketing. And you easily could have tried to redact the email yeah. or just sent update, you know, and just hope people read the new version. But the reality is, I think everyone craves relationship and authenticity, regardless of what avenue that is. I mean, yes, there's environments, maybe you're hosting a workshop or you're doing client presentation where it's a bit more buttoned up. But the reality is everybody is human. And I think it makes people feel that much more comfortable with you, anyone, yeah. if they're like, oh, they're human too. And this was actually quite funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you did a very good job how you handled it and just made it real. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think one of the things that tells us a little bit about the age of the audience who are listening to the podcast, <laughs> because uh, I had no idea whenever Dina called me and told me about it the other day. So, right. uh, <laughs> you know, the younger people would pick up on that right away. Exactly. Yeah. I told Mandy about it and she's like, mom, like, and, <laughs> and I was like, well, next time I'm saying these types of references and you know, there is a different connotation, you. please make sure you tell me. Cause I would even ask her, you know, like on a Sunday, are you doing, are you Netflixing? And, you know, and she, she was like, I knew you didn't know what you were saying. Oh, so, so she do, was like, yes, mom, yeah, I'm I didn't correct like, you. Exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, next time you need to educate me. So I, so I'm ahead of the curve. That's why we have children so they can there is the head of the curve. Yes. 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 I, I, that's the thing is I don't I don't think it's possible to know all the things. So you just right. got to react well when when the things when happen. happen, happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. It's kind of funny. Sometimes the grandchildren will send me a text and and they'll abbreviate things. And I, and I have to go. <laughs> I have to go figure out what the abbreviation is. And I try to figure it out in my head. And then I go and I just put it in and say, oh, OK, that's what they mean, because they shortcut just about everything. Well, if it, if it makes you feel better, I've needed to do that, too. So yeah. there, there's <laughs> right. like a whole new there's a whole new generation. We start talking about Gen Z. Uh, there's there's terms that I am not familiar with until I go and do a Google search. Yes. But same. Same. It's going to keep happening. It will. So we talked about your career, a little bit about your life. So legacies to us is not Brown. something we leave behind, but it's what we're doing, you know, building our legacy. And certainly you have a legacy with your son and your family and what you're doing for business. But what anything else comes to mind when we talk about legacies? Great question. You know, and that's that's one of those that people don't tend to talk about mm-hmm. unless maybe they're, oh, you know, you're a good example, right? Like if you're a part of leading a nonprofit, people see that and and just get to experience it a bit more up close. You know, to get personal for a moment, my husband and I, we both went to a faith-based school and faith is a really big part of our lives. And we both felt, even when we were in high school, so we didn't know each other, that we would, for lack of a cheesier term, be blessed to be a blessing. And so I've always had it on my radar of, as I grow in my career, I want to find organizations and associations and people that are doing great things. And I feel so passionate about the business space. My brain just lights up when we talk about business growth and marketing and sales strategies and all of the pieces. And so I know that that's where I, that's the sweet spot that I live in and where I can drive impact. And it is so fun to see friends and people that I know doing amazing things, right? Simon says, give is a great example. So there's a few different associations or organizations, I should say, that I'm pretty actively involved in. So I'll mention one. Actually, Dina, I think I just al- actually, yes, I just alerted you to this one on LinkedIn not long ago. Uh, it's called The Real Hope Project. And so I have a former roommate who launched this with her husband. I mean, it was an idea she had in her mind for a long time. She launched it now six years ago. And the idea is that there are so many kids um, in every state, but you know, she lives here in Minnesota, but initially 
so many kids in Minnesota that are eligible for adoption. And I know this is, you know, close to Dina's hearts and especially kids in the system that are not in that shiny phase anymore, that are not but- tiny little babies or even toddlers. And they need forever families. I mean, everybody needs a forever family. And so this nonprofit, The Real Hope Project, basically partners with social workers and all of the logistics behind the scenes that I don't know much about. And they create a one-minute video reel of these kids that are eligible for adoption in their environment that they love. So it might be playing basketball. It might be at the Minnesota Science Museum or wherever it is. And people just kind of can get a glimpse and a feel of the personality behind the kid. And so uh, they then tour churches and other places to share these. And they have had hundreds of kids matched with families that are, and they're now adopted. They've had, I believe it's over a thousand families express interest in starting a foster process as their own family unit or adoption. Um, and actually my friend, they they adopted a 16-year-old a few years ago. He's now a senior in high school. And so anyway, uh, they're someone that, or they're an organization that they're starting to expand nationally. And it's just really fun to be a part of it. And recently they hosted a what they called Night at the Oscars to highlight the results. And it was at just a really kind of ritzy, cute movie theater. We set up kind of a red carpet environment and they asked if I would host the red carpet. So I got to stand there with with a microphone on camera and ask people why they were supporting. And it was really amazing getting to meet, you know, one of the girls, the very first girl I I asked, she was the very first real. So now she's a young adult. She was adopted through this process. And, you know, someone else who was a parent of like she met her son through this process. They adopted him and people that support. So anyway, there's a few different organizations that we support financially and just with our time. But that's one that that I think yeah. is just so cool. It is. And I'm not allowed to get involved because I'd want to <laughs> adopt all of them. But I just I when you showed that on LinkedIn, like I did look into the organization. Oh, my gosh. And so I didn't know how close you knew the founder. But obviously, that is something we can yeah. talk offline on if there is something that I can do. But just uh-huh. amazing. So, John, the reel is like a movie reel. So the one minute reel mm, is them telling their story. Sure. And I, I, can you imagine? I, you know, that just I'd be crying at all of them. Oh, yes. It's 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 nuts just to, yeah. to watch them because they're so lighthearted and fun, too. And the the one, you know, and we can shift topics whenever you yeah. like, but, but the one piece I'd like to add is the families that have come to be interested in fostering and adoption well, because they saw the video, not because they were even in the process to begin with, Yeah, said, you know, once I got into the process, I realized how much of it is a paragraph of all the challenges the children have gone through or a page. And, and you do need to mentally prepare yourself for things that, that yeah. kids have gone through. And that's very important to you being able to help raise them well and know that you're you're prepared to equip them. But what they've shared is like, but there's so much more to them. I mean, there's right. so much more to all of us than the life experiences we've gone through. And so anyway, I just love that it's like set to peppy music. And if the kids maybe are nonverbal, you know, maybe on an autistic spectrum, they have the caseworker talking about things that light them up and still footage of the child playing. And so it's very cool to see. It is very cool. And for our podcast listeners that don't know why it's so passionate to me, it's because I myself am adopted and I have a daughter who is adopted and Mandy's birth mom was also adopted. So it, um, that. yeah, wow. yeah. So it runs very deep into my personal life, but, and we've actually, we've talked about it. And I would love to do actually a podcast on adoption mm. so we can, we can further the conversation, but I love that you're so engaged in that. And I know you're do a lot of other things within the community, but was super excited to see that connection that you were working with them. 
Yeah, they're they're a great group. It's fun. I I've always had a soft spot in my heart for anything that that has to do with kids. I mean, kids. even when yeah. I was in high school, I was working for the local rec center teaching gymnastics and soccer and you know just just those kinds of things have always been exciting to be a part yeah. of. Did you and your husband both go to Northwestern and meet there? We did. You know, I will I will tell you briefly. We met cliff jumping actually. We didn't meet at school. Wow. We, we had a mutual friend that invited us cliff jumping. The quarries in St. Cloud. I haven't been back since, but it was beautiful. Yeah. So we were both invited to this and, and met, e- met each other that way and were friends for two and a half years before we started dating. But we were both majors in marketing. I suppose I was a major in public relations, minor in marketing, but we were both in the senior capstone classes together. And we hadn't met until then, but we actually did a few group projects and did well in them and just, yeah, really clicked and got along. And I loved his mind for business because it was something that I was very nerdy and passionate about as well. So now we've, uh, it'll be 12 years this summer that we've been married. Yeah, because you were just getting married when I met you. Yeah, I I, yeah. I do I do recall when I started at the Versique family of companies, then McKinley Group, um, no one knew me by my maiden name because yep. it was just going to be a month and a half before I was married. So they just put the new name on it. And I, <laughs> I remember thinking, okay, we're, we're going, <laughs> we're for, going it. for it. Yep, there's yeah, there's no change in now. <laughs> yeah, my business cards are formal. So anyway, I digress. Yes, yes. So I we, we did meet there. Mm-hmm. You have a, a great story, a great background. And I love the part about the kids and the involvement that you and your husband have with that and, and just how they do with the reels and the red carpet and uh, talk about a win-win deal, not only for the children, but for the adoptive parents or, or the parents who, if, if nothing, take them in for a few months and, and help them get on the right track. Yeah, yeah. And for those those families that maybe aren't in that position to, they've got a lot of financial donors. I mean, like, you know, as Simon says, give, like there's so much <laughs> impact that you've got in your mind that you want to accomplish, but everything takes dollars. And so to, to have supporters of nonprofits that you're passionate about is really important. And so, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, Dina, I feel like you, you well, you and John could spend a whole episode on the amazing nonprofits that, that you've touched and been a part of or yeah. know about. I mean, it's it's pretty yeah. cool to see those. It is. It is. Yeah. And Kelly, anything else that you wanted our podcast listeners to hear or know about from you? Yes. There was one thing that I had in the back of my mind. Dina, awesome. you, had, you had sent over a couple idea question yeah. prompts before you hopped on. And one that really stood out to me was what would you tell someone getting into your field? So my field was marketing, right? Uh, but I would tell anyone, especially in the business realm, whatever it is you're studying, uh, to really network. And I know that is such a cheesy thing to say. Um, I mean, even even someone who maybe has had the same career path for the last 40 years and just experienced a layoff and has not formally needed to apply for anything until now, really making authentic connections when you don't even need to is what drives the world. Like it's it's what makes the world go around. And I'll just tell a, a brief story. I remember senior year in college, I'd done a number of internships I was really interested in two companies, Olson, that agency, and Best Buy Corporate. And so I'd asked my professors, actually, the reason I was interested in these, I'd asked two professors, a public relations professor and a business professor, I'm seeing all my peers apply for everything. And it feels it feels like not the best results are are happening. You know, like they're not hearing, I don't want to do a spray and pray approach. You know my background because, you know, these are small class sizes. Uh, maybe 20, 30 kids. And so I said, is there anything that comes to mind? And they each recommended someone who was an alumni five years out. One was at Olson, one was at Best Buy. 
and I started doing informational interviews. And I would highly recommend them even now. It does not matter your age. Um, there's a little bit of a shiny factor when you're a young graduate that you take advantage of. It lasts for many years. Uh, but just the concept of reaching out to someone saying, I really like what's in your career background. This is something that I'm passionate about too. Might I buy you a coffee? You know, I would love to just bar you for 30 minutes, buy you a coffee, hear the things you're passionate about. And I had done that at Olson and Best Buy and, and Olson, like to say, pop first. So they they made me an offer and I was excited to be there. Really cool experience. Um, but at Best Buy, the reason I'm telling this story is just to give a tangible example. In my senior year, I was working at Best Buy Corporate in Roseville because that was the, we'll call it capstone store for corporate. They tested a lot of things there. And I figured that if I did a job my senior year, that was the best place if I was trying to network in because I knew executives yep. would come in. And so I met someone one time, I was selling cameras. The individual looked about the right age and demographic and said, why don't you go help them? I work for the company. I'll just be here. And so I asked him what he did and I shared with him in like two sentences that I was a marketing major, da, da, da. Uh, and turns out he was a vice president, actually SVP of, of marketing, one of the marketing functions within Best Buy. And I figured, shoot the shot, right? Like be respectful, it's okay if it's a no, but what's the worst that can happen? So I told him, you know, I'd, I'd really love to come to you for 15 minutes, buy you coffee, hear what you've liked about your career path at Best Buy. And he said, yes, gave me a business card of someone to schedule time with. I didn't know if that would turn into anything. Turns out it did. So I had a 45 minute networking, you know, informational interview set up for weeks and weeks out. And about a week prior, I got a call from the person that I scheduled it with saying, could you come out for four hours instead of 45 minutes? And I said, yes, I would love to. What does he have in mind? And she said, and this is, I will tell you, this is based off of no more than a five minute interaction, literally. Um, she said, he knows that you're interested in public relations and marketing. And he set you up on a series of informational interviews across the suite of, of teams here. And so I got to spend four hours sitting down with directors and vice presidents sat in like this tiny little room and they just kind of came and went, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes each. And it was one of the coolest experiences. And I didn't even register how, how massive that was at the time being a senior in college, um, so anyway, obviously not every story turns out that way. I've, I've made asks that haven't panned out, but I will say it, it built my confidence. I've stayed in touch with some of those individuals. Nice. So I just would say that that would be my final parting thought of put it out there, right? It's not going to happen unless you put yourself out there, take the risk, be okay, be respectful. It's okay if they say yeah. no, uh, but it's built something in me where if somebody is ever at a stage where they're looking to learn more about what I do, I want to be generous with my time because I benefited so much from networking on the other side of it. And I still do. I mean, the reason I started my company is because two mentors approached me and said, would you consider this? And I'm now working with both of them. They're both right. clients today. Right. And so I right. would highly recommend that, you know, put yourself out there, network, get to know people, add value where you can. Boy, what great advice that is. And, and as you said earlier, it was a five minute interaction you had with someone and it yeah. turned into really a career uh, mm -hmm. achievement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. How many years later, I'm still excited, so excited about that yeah. happening. And and it also speaks volumes to that person who- Who gave their time. Took the, took the time. Right, right. Like that never, I could have had the nicest ask in the world and had the best resume on paper, whatever. I mean, right? I didn't even show him a resume, right? Like he, he, he took the time to make something happen because he saw a spark of potential. In, in a young kid, right? Yeah. And so I so, think that speaks volumes. 
It does. And so two messages, one, to be prepared when you're in that, like when you're young and you're trying to figure out what you want to do. I love the informational interviews and be ready to make the ask. The internship piece too, like you were interning, like you were, well, you were working in the store, but in that store that had done internships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but working in the premier store that you knew you'd be able to get to network with people. So kind of like an internship. But the other is the leaders being able to lean in and provide those amazing experiences mm-hmm. for this next generation of people getting into the mm-hmm. workforce. Uh, there's such a need out there for us. So I love that story. Right. Well, and even those two people that took the time to meet with me, they were five years into their career. And at that time, I mean, I I, I looked at their LinkedIn profiles and thought they had accomplished the entire world by then, <laughs> right. you know, and, and, and thinking back now, they couldn't have been more than 24, 25 years old. Sure. Doing cool things and and having a conversation with someone who is a fresh grad or not even yeah. a fresh grad yet. And then at the end of every conversation, I would say, if I truly was interested, right, I've really enjoyed learning about XYZ. Is there someone else on your team or on a different team that I can learn more about ABC? And they would I- always say, yeah, let me think about it. And then they'd circle back with an intro, right? And so that's that's a way to kind of ripple into a company and learn more about it without it feeling transactional or hi here's my resume i'm one of a million yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah love it kelly we have taken a ton of your time but this was so amazing we could talk for hours Uh, we are just so appreciative that you wanted to be on the podcast we're so excited about your new business (laughs) and just i know you're busy already right like so your plate is full and overflowing because everybody does want to work with you. So I'm very excited about that. Make sure that you give me any of the contact information and stuff that you want me to have out there so people know how to get in touch with you. Wonderful. Thank you, Dina and John, for having me on. So fun to connect with you in this venue and, you know, just share a few stories and hear your stories too. Yes, it was great. Well, thank you. Great. Thank you. I would like to thank Kelly Shutrop for joining us on the podcast. She is the CEO and founder of Thoughtful Resound. And I've known her for over a decade. We were so excited to have her join us. I'm so excited about her new business adventure and she's already rocking it, but check her out. I'll make sure in the show notes that you know how to find her. And I wanted just to share a quick story. Recently, I saw Kelly at a women's conference. I had arrived a little bit late because I had had some business meetings in the morning and I tried to sneak in the side of the ballroom with about 250 women and Kelly saw me and she made sure that she found a spot for me. And I love this analogy because it reminds me so much of Kelly. So she wasn't putting this conference on, she was a guest there herself, but she saw me and she wanted to make sure that I found a seat at at the table. And so I love that analogy because she always is leaning in to support people in life and in their businesses and she always wants somebody to have a seat at the table. So I love that analogy. And Kelly, I thank you for doing that for me recently. And as always, I'd like to thank my father-in-law, John Simon, for being my co-host. And until we talk again.